and looks like I've been given the job of doing the introduction today. I'm here with Dale, and today's podcast is with Mr. Robbie Miranda. Yeah. First of all, Paul, happy birthday. Well, I've been late in a couple of days, but thank you very much. It's How's it feel to be 50? Um, I'm right behind you, I was 48. Uh, I don't know. I, it, it's funny, it's, you know, you, normally like 40 and 30, and that wasn't a big deal, but like 50 is a pretty big number. So I had a couple of like introspective moments on, on the day thinking, all right, so 50 years old, okay. Do you have a couple of drinks? No, no, no. I had a smoke and went out on my bike and played a bunch of music, pretty much. Same as normal. It was, it was awesome. Anyway, not about me today. It's about, it's about your podcast guest, Nora Cup winner and uh, X Games gold medalist, Robbie Miranda. Would you like to introduce him, if I haven't already? You already have. How old are you, Robbie? I'm, I'm 42. 42. You, you haven't aged at all, has he? I have. No, you haven't. Well, I just want to say thanks for having me uh, on your podcast. Uh, known you guys for a long time and and look up to both you guys and everything you guys accomplished so full circle from me getting put over the turns by Dale to now he's <laughs> podcasting <laughs> uh, Dale used to hate me I didn't uh, need to hate you no I didn't there was money on the line you know? there was so well, I think well, it's frustrating I, to be in the mid pack of a double A race yeah, I, I can't wait to cover it so yeah. it's just, <laughs> it, would, it would have been the same people all the time as well <laughs> Well, so, just before so, Robbie is like one of the guys, you know, I was talking to Gregor Mary yesterday and was talking about, you know, when we used to video stuff and that, you know, I videoed a lot of stuff and took pictures, but Robbie really did a good job of documenting a lot of cool stuff. We've just been looking at some stuff we just can't even post, really, it's not all of it, but some of these after parties, Robbie, that we're looking at, you got World's After Party, that's the World's, uh, the Neil Pro Section thing, right? Yeah, so I was always, you know the first guy to have things like a digital camera back in the day. So I took random photos of everything for my website and a lot of it never made it to the website, but I, it's fun to look at it 25 years later. Yeah. And laugh about it. So um, I'll send you these photos and you can start Yeah, there's some great things. You got the whole Neil Wood uh, 2001 Kentucky World's protest. We're just yeah. looking at all that. This stuff is gold. I, I can't wait to... Dig deep into that. <laughs> well, let's get it going. Robbie, how did it start? Where are you from? Cyclecraft is the first memory I had of you, which was in uh, that Snap magazine, one of the early issues, right? Yeah, so I started in uh, the East Coast in um, Northern Virginia. Um, I started racing in... Actually, way back before that, I started racing in, in uh, Missouri. Um, really short time out there. I moved to the East Coast um, and raced at Columbia BMX in Maryland. And that was home to a couple pros. Uh, Rainer Matthews was one that I saw a lot. Yeah, I raced You might have heard of him. Once. Um, Brian and Alan Foster grew up nearby, but I think they were already moved to California and, and started on their pro journey. So I was just uh, young at that time. And then fast forward from there, um, like you said, the cycle craft came along. And uh, that was... That was really a fun adventure for me, but it was after Brian Foster and Keith and that whole... Uh, Had they already moved on? They've already moved on. the so, Shag, right? The Shag Yeah, the Shag Cyclecraft. So as soon as I got on the team, I thought I was on Cyclecraft, but it was, it was a little bit different Cyclecraft. Uh, nonetheless, Shag uh, did really great things for me and helped me out. But uh, those guys have already moved on and, and went to California and, and whatnot. Uh, and that's when... 
Steve Bundeck, I met Steve in Virginia and he was doing 2B clothing and he started getting into the magazines and being a photographer and he, he um, you know, we did a, a, a bio for the magazine. That's where that was that around the worlds in Detroit, right? So ninety four ish. Yeah, yeah, I think so. So I think I was still in high school. You got lots of hair, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And long story uh, that I'll make short is, I I was trying. I went all the way to Winston Salem, North Carolina, to shoot that picture from Virginia. Because how, mi- how many miles? That was that? a long way. But in, back in the day, you drove everywhere. Of course. Okay. So, and he had this box jump in his backyard at the two B house. And it was super windy, kind of cold. And I, I was jumping this thing for hours trying to do a turndown. <laughs> and I, I was just locked. I couldn't do it. You know, sometimes you just have, yeah. you're locked and you cannot figure it out. Um, and I got so frustrated. And then, you know, he, he got a good photo, but it wasn't of anything. <laughs> you know, it was just <laughs> jumping. So uh, my first big photo bio type uh, full page thing was just me jumping with my tongue sticking out. <laughs> so, um, I mean, that, I mean, that's funny because, you know, all through your career, you, you, you've, you've worked with some of the best photographers and like your, your image that you put out there, especially during, during that period of, of late nineties, early two thousands, you know, your, your image was, well, your image was exactly what kids wanted to be, you know, it's, and that, it, starting from one photograph where you weren't even doing a trick, you know, especially for someone who's associated as a flat-out racer, the photographs that you had in magazines through the years were, were, were amazing. Yeah, well, I have um, Steve, Steve Bundeck, uh, we'll, we'll touch on him throughout the interview, but he, I would say he helped discover me and... And I owe him a lot, you know, for my journey through this sport. So from the photos to the guidance to get me on, you know, teams that we went on to go on. And uh, so he was there for a lot of that. It's always nice when, yeah. when somebody like that sees you and sees the potential and knows how much you like to ride and then gives you the opportunity. Very lucky to, for the oh, careers, oh. you and Neil, how he really marketed mm. you guys and he made, you know, paid you what you was worth. And yeah, he was very lucky. A lot of teams didn't get treated, you know. Uh, well, a lot of people that move teams, you know, a lot didn't have that guy. But, yeah, you know, that's right. And to, it's, I think it's it's less to do with the team and more to do with the dude. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I will say, I just listened to a Chris Doyle um, podcast with Todd Wachowiak, mm. both who uh, rode for DK on the freestyle side. They both mentioned Boss it. Spiniak, right? Or Spiniak. Yeah, 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 yeah. They both said it the best. They said they felt like they rode for Steve. Mm-hmm. Because you know, really took care that of you was guys, the person who we were in mo- most contact with, who who, yeah. who we went through for everything. So, yeah, Dude, he put together an amazing team. Yeah, yeah. Cool. and sponsors. What is one eight hundred collect? I mean, that team, yeah. the one eight hundred collect team. Yeah, well, I liked everyone on that team. So, so backstory on one eight collect. Um, one eight hundred collect was headquartered in Alexandria or Crystal City, Virginia, which is just outside Washington. So one day, Steve probably. 26 years old, 27 years old, says, hey, I have a meeting of 1-800-COLLECT. I want you to go. And he's trying to pitch, you know, the DK team to this major corporation. And they obviously, uh, McGrath is their big guy, exactly. right? He's on the commercials and, and that, the hot um, <laughs> uh, movie star. Uh-huh. So here I am as a uh, 19-year-old kid sitting in this meeting with Steve, and he's presenting a, a package to 1-800-COLLECT for $50,000, $60,000 
to say that these guys on BMX bikes, you should market them. <laughs> and, and I could not believe it, but he, he sealed the deal mm. and created great relationships with that company, in which just started they uh, chain reaction. They sponsored races as well, races and events, yeah, right? They started NBL, a big, NBL, 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 yeah. Steve, Steve made that happen and, and took it up a huge notch for DK and a lot of the guys on the team. And then you can add in Fox. Yeah. You guys are good sponsors so all around. Yeah. Bringing that 100 Collect in, and they had a, a background with motocross. Now Fox is really interested, and then the DC, DC. Shoes jumped on. Good job, cool. button deck. Oh, yeah. So that um, was the glory days of just things just got better and better and better. And then it just carried on through the X Games era. And then having you yeah. and Neil racing, and Todd and Crystal. As their as their dirt couple jumping. of good amateurs as well like as well they, the Florida they King, had dusty right they yeah. had they had dynamic duos in in, yeah. in all facets man they were they were good I mean Barspiniak and Doyle they would always make finals that period especially like when Stephen was winning and stuff like they were always always yeah yeah yeah. So guys, yeah yeah so consistent what year was it when you got on DK um the first days of DK uh, for the re. After Morales. Uh, yeah, no, I was on with Morales. Oh, you was? Uh, 96. I just looked up this stuff last night. You know, DK was a was a team from the 80s, and they kind of faded away and came back with a frame in 96. Mm-hmm. And that's we when, all had the stems in England, didn't we? Yeah. Even back in the 80s, late 80s, we had DK stems. Yeah, man, that, the inverted one on my cruiser, I ran it for years. So I, I got a call from Steve. I was on Cyclecraft, and he said, hey, you know, you should try... Uh, called Boss Racing and get on with them because I was trying to, you know, increase my racing, get more places and uh, travel more. Uh, he said, call Boss. And he said, hey, Hustler is going to start a team. So I, I called them. And next thing you know, he's like, hey, you know what? How about DK? We're gonna, they're going to do something. Why don't you call Bill Danishek? I said, okay. Next thing you know, um, I'm on the team with Robbie Morales and we're debuting a new frame. Mm. Um, so that was... Was what was the the uniform at that point? Was it was it the white the white shoulders and the white top? Yes, was it, it was. That? It was all white, a white shirt, a little bit of blue in it. And um, was Yo Collette on that at that point? Was no, that, he, that was Yo Collette yeah, yeah. was the prior version of DK. Uh, okay, years before. Okay, yeah. So our first photo shoot um, it was in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, at Steve Norton's Trails. And it was uh, the debut of the big two-page ad in Bicycles Today, and, and um, that was it. You know? They featured those trails in Snap, I remember, as well. I mean, I'm sure yep. it was maybe Steve that even did yep. it. Uh, that, yeah. Everything is yeah, going yeah. back to Steve, guys. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. so everything we can touch on, Steve yeah. has his hand in. Wow, he's really done some cool yeah. shit, hasn't he? Yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. He created the brand, uh, the DK, from what we, what we remember. <laughs> the, the rebranding of DK with the frame and Robbie. Uh, that's where it all started. Really nice as well for for you that it's a quality machine shop. Like you're not coming from somebody who's just got bikes in Walmart or something. You're actually coming from a legit quality machine shop that their componentry, maybe not their frame and forks and stuff, but their componentry has always been like up, would always be up there with like profile and and you know the mm-hmm. if it. it Everybody at some point had a DK stem or a DK part on their bike. Like, so it's, you know, it must have been nice for you as well to go into that situation with that, with a rebranding happening, but already knowing that your your products are quality. Dylan had a DK stem, didn't Mm, he? The bars, the bars, exactly like like the threads. 
So cool. So mm. when did uh, so '96? That's when I came out here, and then Neil was kind of transitioning onto DK when I around the time I made the full move. I think so. Neil came right after, right? Yeah. So '96 was um, I toured around with Robbie in a box truck, and uh, at the time Robbie was. <sighs> He was transitioning on to... You can't see this, everybody. Yeah, we're, yeah. Looking, we're looking at a photograph of, uh, of Robbo doing a, a toboggan in DK with Fox Levers. Hey, it looks awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so Robbie was... Um, he was racing A-Pro, doing pretty well. And he was transitioning into, um, you know, the freestyle side. He was street riding. He was doing on road fulls, um, hanging out with all those guys. And, you know, we were... The, the, the team dynamic... Uh, changed a little bit. Robbie went on to do his thing and uh, that's where Neil came in the picture. So went from Robbie to Neil and did, then did, off did, we went again. Did you, know? you did you know Neil was going to get on the team before? Yeah, did you have it like that Steve you say, what do you think about this it, crazy English guy? Yeah. Was it just, or was it by the time it was going to be a done deal, we, we just thought, oh, Neil's going to be on the team as well? Because bringing him from an SM was going to be probably be a bit touchy right off the bat, right? Yeah, I don't really remember how that all went down. I just, I was really busy Focusing on myself, and um, and then I met Neil at a cruiser shootout. <laughs> As you do, cruiser counts. I, I met Neil for my first time in Phoenix at a cruiser shootout on a Monday after the race, and I think that's where Steve probably met him too. Because again, we're going back to Steve. Right. Steve was shooting with Mark Losey at that and Brian, uh, Brian McDonald. And I think we met Neil, and things just fit. Mm-hmm. Neil was a great image. I think Steve was after, mm-hmm. and maybe Neil was ready to step up his game too a little bit. And maybe S and M couldn't provide for him that mm-hmm. you know, DK was going to try and get to a higher level. By that time, when DK have got those co sponsors, they've got so much more money to offer Neil at that point. Yeah, I think. Yeah, uh, Neil. Neil was a bike magazine. Test beast at that point as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was, plus test yeah, 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 all the magazines he, he was quite testing for. Yeah, it already got a lot of coverage with with S and M. Because I, I think it, I think it worked same as same as it did with the two dirt jumpers. I think it worked in a way when you were both on the team. I think you were both adding to each other's shine, rather, rather than being like a competitive teammates thing. Like when you two both turned up at a race, you were both adding to each other's. It didn't seem like there was any any real team battle between you. It's, you were just both the DK pros, you know. And you were both see for kids as well. Like kids loved you two both because you were both killer dirt jumpers. Like I, I, my, I, I, I obviously associate that because that's what I liked. But I, I really think that a lot of those kids, that's why you were the favourite dudes because. Because you, you were the dirt jumping dudes. You were the dudes who were doing the stuff that they wanted to see. Yeah, I mean, everybody had their, their thing. And at the time, both Neil and I, you know, had a little bit of a trail background and we showed it. And we'll go back to what DK was doing for us. And they were, they were just, they were showing that, you know. When we had a poster um, that went into the magazine, it wasn't racing. It was at the trails. When we did an so ad, good, it, was, it was at the trails. Um, when I got an opportunity to shoot a cover with Snap, it was at the trails. It wasn't, I mean, this this, yeah. this era is when dirt jumping blew back up. Like yeah, it, it yeah. had been big for a little while for us, but like the whole X Games thing, that period when X Games came back, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden there's dirt jumping in the X Games. Because my my thing is, it's that DK thing and you and Neil adding together. And I mean, the fact that you 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 know you both won Nora Cup, like I mean it's. 
that being widely considered to be the most prestigious award, you know, in BMX, the fact that you both won it, uh, you know, and the fact that DK was sending you to all of those things and providing that image, it's... Uh, what kind of... So, you obviously, you moved out to California. You kind of came out when I did them, right? We kind of... Yeah, time. so we talked about that yeah. before uh, we started recording. I came out to... D, uh, sorry, I came out to California and uh, basically packed up everything. I flew out the first time, and I stayed with Scott Yocolette on his couch, and that was my... That was my grand opening to, you know, my first time in California, and I was going to go for it. And that was in 99. I would thought you were here before that. Maybe 90, maybe 98, something like that. I came yeah. out, and I went to Sheep and crashed so hard that I broke <laughs> my back. <laughs> so um, I had to drive home. And I drove, I drove back home towards Virginia and stopped at DK. And they said, hey, you know what? You need to go to the doctor. They sent me to a, a specialist, and then uh, I would say a month later, I made the main, my first AA main in Orlando. Well, that's a good good race to so, make. Yeah, that's a hard so race. That, that was, is. A, yeah, that's that a, major. was a, 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 yeah. a wild ride for me to, to move to California, try to do the pro-life, basically have to leave because I got injured. And then I'm on the gate in AA in Orlando. That is a hard so, race, to, yeah. the main to make, Orlando. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I wasn't an yeah. Orlando rider, so. Right. Who was, the, who was the Florida hot shirt at that point? Two. Abedesta. There was Abadesta and Adam Richards. Adam Richards. Well, yeah, there's yeah. still a lot of, always good guys in Florida. Yeah, so after that, I made my way back out, and uh, that's when I landed on Georgia Street <laughs> with uh, Steve <laughs> Pete and Stephen Murray. And I lived a, um, you know, Stone throw away from you guys, uh, Dale and, and Neil, and Stephen Murray, and Stephen, Chris Stevenson, yep, and Stevenson. So that's that's when I would say that's ninety nine. What kind of money was you making then? As you you know, first couple couple contracts with DK. And when, and when did when did that money like you would have had a step up as soon as you signed with DK? That would have been a step up, and then once that success with DK, did you did you have other step ups in money? I think when I started on DK, I didn't get any money. Um, and I, I remember maybe the first time they paid me was like 300 bucks a month, you know, for a long time. And then it maybe it was $600 a month. And then it was maybe $1,000. And that allowed me to go to California and pay rent, which was 500 bucks to Steve Pete. Good on you, Steve, if you're listening. Well done, man. Yeah. Steve, man, that apartment was so bad that the union jack was the uh, yeah. uh the, the the window I, mean, I'm like, I still ride past that place all the time i, I still pick up pizza I, I, I when i go past there i think mm. of gates i'll never forget the night i woke up and i was covered in ants at two in the morning <laughs> and i had to leave and go get ant spray at walmart or something yeah so i mean progressively through the years so i got on dk when i was 19 and, and uh progressively for the next 10 years uh they were you know, they they pay me a little bit more money every year, so uh, very fortunate for that. Mm. Yeah. Did you um, co-sponsors? Was that all kind of all tied into uh, that? Like DK took all the money and then paid you guys from that, or you guys got to? I think by the time you got in DC, you started having your personal deals, right? Yeah. So back in the beginning, uh, there was no co-sponsors paying me separately or anybody really. Uh, that kind of came later when things started falling apart. Um, so DK was the major frame sponsor or the bike sponsor. And then, you know, 1-800-COLLECT put money into the program. Um, 
all the all the sponsors on our shirt, you know, I'm sure put money into the program, and that allowed us to race and then draw a paycheck. Really, um, it wasn't until much much later that companies would come in and do side deals with you. So what about was, was that after after the X Games? Yeah, what was your first big win? My first big win, uh, Orlando. No, I, I I don't really have a first big win. I really didn't win a whole lot to tell you the truth, and honestly. For as far as double A wins, I, I can only think like a maybe three. But I mean, that, like yeah. winning Nora Cup and yeah. So like... you know, I had a lot of good achievements, um, but as far as racing goes, I was kind of there. But um, I had a good Superclass run. I like that. That was fun for me. It was a good summer. I was on DK. We were traveling around in the box truck, and I was winning all these Superclass races. That's kind of where. Who'd you racing with? Uh, I think I was racing Jeff Dean. <laughs> he was, he was really, he was he was so fast. Um, uh, shoot, I don't know. Kevin Tomka was in there. Uh, a few of the guys, you know, there's a lot of guys. But that was my big coming out party in like '97, uh, racing Superclass. Did you get the title? I don't think I was even made it for the title. Right. I think I turned double A before I was. I don't even think they did a title. No, maybe I, not. Then. Yeah, yeah. Not, I don't there was no title. Remember. There, it just you made you made uh, three thousand dollars, and then you had to turn pro or something. Two thousand bucks. So. Was was it an eye opener when you came when you came here? Uh, and obviously, there were a group of double A's here at that point, and everybody knows exactly what everybody else is doing, and you see everybody all the time. Was it an eye opener to realize? Okay, so double A life is that, or, or had you already locked that in in your mind and knew that what you you were gonna do? Yeah, when I first came out, um, I was staying at this this house called the HB House, and I was finding <laughs> floor space you know, anywhere I could in this house, and it was we could go on about that later. But I remember riding somewhere, and I saw Dale riding with the grocery bags on his on his bike to the gym or back from the gym. And I thought, man, like, that's what I need to do. Like, that's how the double A's do it. They have grapes and power bars, and, you know, energy drinks and on a Monday morning after the race. Like, okay. I'm just watching and observing and I don't really have a plan. I'm going to sheep later, but this guy's already done with the gym. He's just got groceries. He's going to go do sprints. It was so different from what I've been doing and what's been working for me that I didn't know if, I could do that. You know, I didn't know if I could, I was even in me to do that. Mm. And I had to kind of figure out what I was going to do and what was going to work for me. Mm. As long as I was having fun, um, you know, that's where the challenge was when I came to California. Yeah. Yeah. What about, um, obviously sheep hills, he was a big part of that at the time, the scene, some of the guys that we would ride down there with. Obviously, before, we, before we go on to at that point, when you came there, how, how, like obviously dirt jumping was progressing at that point. But that feeling of riding your bike every day and riding the trails every day, was that everything that you, you thought it was was gonna be? Was that as good as, as you'd imagined when you were a kid? Yeah, that was that was it. I think that was the pinnacle. Cause uh at the time there wasn't a difference between dirt jumpers and racers at the trails. It was everyone was at the trails. So you go down the sheep hills Every day at three o'clock, you're going to have 20, 30 people there riding all, you know, dirt jumpers, racers. It was just, that was what everyone did. That's a lot different now. Um, but it was, that was it. That was a great, 
time to be in the late nineties at the trails, mm. any trails all over the country with the same, the same show every day. And you, um, you were hitting all those different spots all the time. And, yeah. And I mean, that, that's the thing that kids see as well. When, when a, when a pro turns up at their local spot and can ride all the sections and can do all the stuff that they've seen in magazines that I think that, that means a lot to kids, you know, when yeah. they see that at their local spot and you would do that as well. Like it's uh you know, you were good at hidden as well. There's loads, of, there's lots of footage of you yeah. from hidden. Trails, I I want to go to all the trails everywhere we went. You know, of you course. did as well, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, you did. Yep. So did you did, Paul. Mm, not as much as I should have done, but in my defence, I I took everybody's photograph. I always fall back on that. In my defence, I gave everyone a bunch of coverage. So whatever I did or didn't do, you're gonna have to let me off. Good stuff. And and what I would like about Robbie, he was um, you know, we were all well, no Neil. Neil was good as well, but like Neil and Robbie was very um, home improvements. The internet came in during this time. I didn't know, you know, I watched Robbie and Neil on computers for a good year before I like even like, what are you doing? You know, you, you guys. You were so far yeah. ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was so far ahead of the game. I, m- I remember Dale got a laptop. And <laughs> yeah. at the time, you had to plug it into the phone, phone line to get yeah. internet, right? Yeah. And Dale was so flustered all day about getting on the internet. He was calling the company and everything. <laughs> and I remember going in and just looking at his setup. He was sitting on the couch, and I traced the cable from his computer to the wall, and it wasn't even plugged into the wall. <laughs> <laughs> AOL. Yeah, that was AOL. So, yeah, so, I, um, yeah, so we had websites, and we won't touch on too much, but that was that was the, you didn't realize it at the time, but that's how you had to market yourself because there's nothing else. Well, he was ahead of the game. I mean, we well, we all got websites because well, you build them all for us. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, we had to do something because the magazines came out once a month mm-hmm. if there was a magazine, and there was no videos at the time. And I, I mean, I was just about to say as well, people don't realize, and I, I know I harp on about it, but in this age of social media where everybody's putting their image yeah. out all the way, yeah. the only people who were getting anything put out there with the people who were getting in the in the videos or the magazines I mean video wasn't even massive then it was magazines if you were getting in the magazines like that was almost enough to secure you a deal yeah so the website helped a little bit more because uh, you know you're 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 basically it's like Facebook but you had to make your own Facebook you know so Mm -hmm. and everyone got on the game and that was a good marketing tool and it was fun. The tour yeah. as well. The t- I think the touring. Yeah, yeah, that was a that was a. I mean, big how did thing. how did how did that come about? Who made who made the decision that because you did you do the first one on your own or was it you and Neil on the I'll first? Tell you one? what, it was just built in uh, with my what I was doing because when I was on Cyclecraft, that was what you did in the summer. That's how you went to the races. You got in Shag's van and he set up a couple clinics on the way to Pittsburgh, and that's how the team funded the trip. And, you know, the whole Cyclecraft team was doing a clinic and that paid for the hotel or whatever, the race fees. So that naturally transitioned right over into what we were doing. And I think I did some clinics with Morales. And then right when Neil got on the team, it was 1997 or 98. We did this three month, you know, crazy tour. And that was what the te- that's what the sponsors wanted. They wanted you to get out and just grind. Mm. You know, on your way to the race, you're going to do three clinics, and then when you get there, you're going to do another clinic, and the next day you're going to do another clinic. Mm-hmm. So, um, I look back at that tour we did, me and Neil. Uh, it was it was a long one, and it was mm. grueling, 
by the time we were done, we were at each other's throats. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> On the right. All of us, yeah. yeah. So, but the memories from that will live a lot longer than any... I couldn't even tell you what I did in the races that summer, so... I've got to say, I think I think that and the marketing, not not so much the website for you by that point, but I think the marketing of DK and especially that tour, because people don't remember back back then, Nora Cup was still voted on by readers, readers of the magazine. Mm-hmm. Right. It wasn't it wasn't how it is now where it's voted industry. It was still the old school way of the kids just writing and saying who their dude is. Yeah. So so back to that. I was very surprised when I got the first Nora Cup, but what year was the first one? 2002 but that was you know after three years of heavy touring throughout the country remember we're going to tracks like 30 tracks a summer connecting with 30 kids at the track Mm -hmm. you know and sometimes that's the only pro they're going to see the whole year at their track so naturally we made a lot of connections and then they followed the websites and we gave them videos and so we made a lot of friends that might have turned into some good votes for us. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Look, that said, Boba Harris did the same kind of model after yeah. you guys, you know, and, and, yeah. and dominated on top of that. So, I, I mean, yeah. getting to stand on that stage and collect that cup is, I mean, how, what, what's that? I mean, that's got to be a little surreal. I mean, being told, being told that you've, had you, had you been told you'd won it? Before you went up, or was it when they pulled it out of the... Out no, of the no, no. That was really cool because they don't tell you anything. And, and, did, was, and did you just think you had got lucky to be put in there, or did you actually think, man, the work we've been putting in might actually pay off? I was super... Su- yeah. So, the original question was, you know, winning Nora Cup and going up on stage in front of, of all of those people. I mean, but that was, was your first Nora Cup the same year as the first X Games win? I think so, yeah. So you're talking about a time now where everything is seems to be falling in place for someone who didn't do that well at traditional BMX. All of a sudden, you're winning the X Games, you're getting Nora Cups, you're getting signature bikes at Interbike, uh, your signature bike comes out with DK. Um, it was crazy. It was, it was super crazy for me. Um, and you think like, this has got to be the peak, you know, and it's just going to get better and better. So going to the Nora cup was awesome and winning was totally a surprise, but it carried a lot of weight uh, on your shoulders because you know, deep down inside as a racer that your peers, your racing buddies all believe that hey, I'm winning the most races. I should be getting the cup. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, why is the guy that didn't win any races this year winning this thing? So I carried a lot of uh, I carried a lot of weight, and I know there's some animosity with uh, the other guys. I mean, that would have happened the first year, but you won multiple Nora Cups in a row. Yeah. And, um, again, it just got worse and worse as it went. So as bittersweet as it was, um, Remember, Nora Cups were voted by ballot in the magazine, so... It was still the kids at that The point. kids were voting, and, and at the time, I wasn't trying to uh, go out and get votes, but we were just, what we were doing, we were going to tracks all summer long. We were putting on clinics, we were doing, doing stuff like that, and we were, like I said, getting in front of a lot of kids that read the magazines. Um, and the, ba- the ballots were in, were in snap at that point as well, Yes, right? and... S- so all of those local level races, you, I mean, because 
people don't really understand, but you would see thousands of kids in the summer, right? Yeah, and you have a snap in front of you, Paul. And if you flip through it, uh, there's a lot of DK ads. Um, DK had a really good ad campaign at the time. Kids were digging it. Uh, it was just different. I mean, you're looking at the back cover at Kiyomi Waller, and he's doing a sequence of a straight jump. Everyone had some coverage back in the day, but we seem to have... My kind of ad, that one is. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about everyone had ads and pictures in this magazine you're holding, but you know, it seems like we were... They are bringing out the best in Neil and I and showcasing stuff that was a little bit different. So, you know, like I said, uh, great winning the Nora Cup. I... Still a great experience. Uh, but yeah, I carried a lot of weight. What? Because yeah. um, the listeners like to know about money. So bonuses <laughs> for winning Nora Cup. I know you'd get the next issue of Snap. You'd get a cover and a full-blown interview, right? Yeah. Did you have photo contingency as well? Uh, yeah, I think we had some photo contingency. It wasn't huge, and it wasn't something that I was capitalizing on all the time. But Oh, you could have. Yeah. yeah, well, you, you yeah. Were, I mean, that, that period of time... You know, you were a sponsor's dream, like I was saying, that, that, that magazine. Yeah, but company. remember, the ads were, you don't get paid for the ads you're in, so. No, I mean, that, uh, that's true, but it's still, you're still putting yourself out covers, there. Covers, though. Yeah, did and you have cover, do you have bonus for covers? <laughs> yeah, I think cover was a thousand bucks. What about Nora Cup, 5G? Uh, I know, I, nothing. Nothing for Nora Cup. Nothing at all. So, um, that's X, just all. X Games, was that a that, decent bonus? Yeah, yeah. X Games, uh, well, sure, DK, um. There was never anything written in the contract as far as I know. Maybe it was. Um, nothing that I looked at when I signed my contract with DK that I ever thought that I would even need to read the yeah. X Games part. Because that was uh. for Chris Doyle and the Dirt Jumpers, you know. We weren't even in the X Games uh. at the time. So that clause, uh, it was ten grand, And I had that in the mailbox before I could even get home. But that's still, that's still not bad. Yeah. That's still, so, and and, and yeah. was it, when you won, was it was it back in the 50 grand era for first? No, no, not at all. And did, did, because no. right, did, did racing not ever get the same no, money as no, the stadium sports? No, uh, when I won, it was less than the triple crown. It was 12,000. Okay. Still good. The triple though. crown was 15,000. So that's we're talking. Bad, man. 22G for the day without yeah, even looking at Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 2002 was a pinnacle year. And it was coming off of a spectacular year of 2001, 2000, uh, was the Vans Triple Crown, you know, mm. series of events, which was only two weekends. But if you capitalize on those two weekends, you can make a lot of money. I mean, that, those, that series of races, especially with the time and being on TV and with the X Games, it must have felt like, especially being double A at that point and going against the people who might, well... Even if they weren't on PEDs, they rode like they were on PEDs. There were monsters in that class all the way through it. So it would have been so hard. And, and like you say, you, you said you had that handful of double-A wins. It must have felt like the Triple Crown, with down, well, it was called downhill BMX racing at that point. But you must have felt like, oh, dude, this is tailor-made for me. Like, and, and was that, did that reignite that, that feeling inside you of like, oh my God, I can win? Because like, it must be hard to go to double-A races every weekend and be like, I can win this weekend, I can win this weekend. Because if you've got Pistol and Ellis and them sprinting dudes, it's going to be, and Brian and all them dudes, it's going to be hard to win. Did, did that reignite you into like, dude, I can win these races? Yeah, and that's probably what it felt like 
I know that's what it felt like at the practice for the first downhill race at Woodward. And the track was pretty basic compared to what it became later. And I remember practicing and right away jumping everything, having a great time. And then I looked at who was standing around the track on their f- with their helmets on and not riding. <laughs> and <laughs> I don't remember if it was you, Dale, but I remember seeing the guys that were winning double A races that had been in the sport a long time, and the fear on their face was just re- just ignited me so it much. It took me yeah. three days to get around that track. I, we went there a week before, and I don't know if it must have been three days of practice. I didn't put a lap in until right before the race and it was I could not sleep it's scared it was yeah it was yeah, for the but these guys I remember him and Neil they were like oh my god straight away they were like already doing laps and stuff yeah. way ahead of the game so for the yeah. first time I've ever seen you got a handful of guys that are just blossomed to the top and then a handful of guys that are super scared um, you know so it was it was really eye opening and it was very kind of fun to be getting around that track, having a good time, and be having a lot of confidence, and knowing that the GT guys or <laughs> the other guys just couldn't even get it down the first straight. Mm-hmm. You know, so... Shoney could ride the bikes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I so, like to ride the bikes. And to think that, hey, this is where the sport's going. I don't need to worry about that indoor race in Wichita anymore. Finally, you don't have to worry about that, because I got my own thing here, and it's tailor-made for some of us. Mm-hmm. And that just... I mean, that, catapulted a lot of us into another level. That triple couple crown, years. You, you won the overall the triple crown the first year, no. the second year. No, 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 no. So, little fact going to the triple crown, real quick, I'll touch on it. Triple crown was a three race series, $15,000 each round for first. The title was $40,000. Okay? So, the first round in Woodward, I won. Nobody in that main made it to the main on the second round. No one. No one. So the second round, which was in uh, Mountain High, was a I was really, I crashed in the qualifying, and I was really bummed out that I couldn't c- continue gaining points for the overall. Mm-hmm. But when the main event got lined up on the hill, I realized that not one of those guys, even if they won, could get, could get more points than me. So I think, uh, who won that? Tomas? Since- uh, the oh, wild one round two, Ali one two. round three. Okay, so whoever won the second round was now tied with me. Mm-hmm. So no matter what, I'm going into the third round tied for first in the triple crown. All I had to do was make the main and do well and Pretty and nice. beat the guy that won the second round. Right. Yeah. So um, luckily, I made the main in that third round and had a lot of trouble in the main event. Ended up getting sixth, mm-hmm. which gave me, which gave me second overall, and Sanchez got first. How much? Oh, that's how much was the overall paying? Forty grand. Forty thousand. Sanchez made. I think he got two seconds. Yes, he did. Two second places, which is gosh, got to be ten grand each plus the forty thousand. He made like sixty sixty five thousand <sighs> plus bonuses in two days of racing. Um, I had a pretty good payday too. I got, uh, of course, the first round was fifteen thousand. The third round that I made the main, I got a few thousand dollars, uh, three thousand maybe, and then I got a, a, the second place overall was twenty five thousand. Oh, yeah. So I wasn't that upset. Did you use that when you bought a house? Then was it? I put it in the bank. And did you and, have a house then? No, no. But that 
that carried over into the next year when we were at the X Games. Okay. So, you know. I, I mean, and you, you, were, you, were, you were smart with your money as well. You, you mean, you know, you've got photographs of here at your after party, but you didn't go and you didn't blow a bunch of that money. You, I mean, we, for those of you who can't see, obviously, because we're on a podcast or haven't seen the photos that were online recently, the place you live is very nice. The house is really, really very nice. And I'm sure a certain percentage of this. Yeah, the the, of, this of course. I've been in this house since 2002. And that was the down payment to get into the house. So, but as far as overall money in BMX, there, you know, no, no pro BMXer is, you know, stacking, you know, tons of money and and coming away with with anything. And I'd like to touch on later just you know how how you transition out of the sport and position yourself mm. because it doesn't as fast as we went to the top of the pay scale on earnings it crashed just as fast when and X did, Games left. Did you did you retire on, on DK? Did you finish your career on DK or did you ride for somebody else right? Yeah, there? yeah. DK slowly took it down a notch with me a couple levels and then next thing you know, I'm, I'm done, you know. Um, so no, I never was uh, fired from DK or let go or anything like that. I just kind of stopped racing. Mm. You know, we still have a great relationship. Uh, all the guys down there I can call them anytime and we can catch up and uh, they give me a little deal on bikes for my kids. So creating relationships was very important to me and not burning any bridges mm. because it was not worth, you know, burning a bridge for an extra dollar. Did anybody else try and get you or the teams during your period? No, no, no. Uh, I think I, I don't know. No, I think I just fit. I was, I, but image that they created with us was very hard to break. Yeah, you're right. So it was like somebody else that was that was that. it. It wouldn't be the same. Yeah, and no, I get some, it. Somebody else who sponsored you straight after that is almost they're almost paying some extra DK money because DK are still going to get the recognition off of you, even though you're not riding for them anymore. Mm-hmm. I, just, I just think it's cool that, and like you, you said, not burning bridges. You know, your sponsors you had the same sponsors unless they dropped their BMX program for whatever reason like DC but you had the same people all the way through you weren't this guy oh who's he riding for this year you you were pretty solid all through that period yeah yeah and that goes back to uh, you know sponsorship 101 is be loyal you hop around too much people don't know what you're doing and who you're sponsored by anymore um, you your image is solidified if you stay with the brand and you become to you know you build your your brand together yourself and the and the company so yeah you and neil were doing a lot of really good stuff with dk and i didn't pay attention at the time i've paid attention now you know the last 10 years what a lot of what we did right and what we did wrong and what them two guys did unbelievable really yeah you know yeah, what i mean I, dk and everything he's talked yeah, about you know yeah with with nora cup yeah. still being voted for by the kids i mean and then you know you you couldn't have known you know, Bud and Deck obviously knows that, that you and Neil are the really good, or two of the really good dirt jumpers in amongst the double A's. But you couldn't have predicted that all of a sudden, I mean, those ESPN shows are online. Like, they're half an hour ESPN TV no, shows. No, hours. I, well, I just watched one of them, it's hours. So it's, yeah. you know, it's hard to explain, especially in this day and age, how legit, mm-hmm. like how stupidly legit it was at that point. I mean, if social media, Instagram and all that would have been around during the period of this, you guys would have had the biggest biggest following, you know, on yeah, top of all I, what I, they were doing, you know? I, yeah, 
I, I think it's awesome the way the way it all panned out. Those X Games races and the, and the big BMX courses, like it was made for you and Neil. Really, it's uh, yeah, I, it's good as well. I just I, like you say, racing is so results based. It was nice that there was a period of time there where the kids were voting. The kids were voting mm-hmm. for the for the top pros and. Uh, the fact that they were voting for the top pros, the fact that you and Neil were doing those clinics and that you can ride your bikes good. Because there's a difference between having a clinic with a dude who's flying around and who probably does some tricks as well that are impressive than just some guy who's off his bike telling you what to do. As like a coach I mean, look coach. at some of these pictures pulling up now. These kids have made banners with his name. Go Robbie, RM59, Austin MC Brian. So I'm yeah, sure Austin's is. probably about 30 now. Yeah, so this picture here we're looking at, they, they went to the X Games, they took a, a bed sheet, spray-painted... Our name's on it, um, and he's got my race pants, my number plate, and they they drove to Woodward to be fans for. And you even yeah, took a so picture. That's rad. You this know? is something yeah. you would only see in motorcross races. Yeah, you, know? yeah, you go yeah. to see your or a Trump rally. Yeah. So I mean, <laughs> we, we it's a period of time where people who you've never met before would have recognised you, especially if they were at the X Games watching, and you're being introduced as a defending yeah. girl, like, you know, you're that guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, you leave Woodward, you leave these downhill races, and they take them away, and now, where are you? You're back at indoor Wichita, Wichita. <laughs> and it's back to Dale Holmes, Greg Romero, Billy <laughs> Nelson, and that was a tough, tough time for myself, and I will say Chris Sanchez, I spoke to him about it at a race, we were just like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. This this isn't gonna work. Like we're not, we're not this mm-hmm. t- these type of riders. What are we gonna do? He's on Huffy and Kmart. I'm on DK. We're back to basics. We're back to that. Back at the barn. We're for, back. For yeah. Those, for, those, for those people who don't who don't know as well, this is still during or just at the end of the transition from flat pedals to clips. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, it was all kind of happening at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. was 2001, yeah. 2002 is when when the second. I mean, a few guys have done it early the mountain bike, you know, King Carter Lopes, but that's when we all started. I mean, I I did it, you know, I 2001. But you had to. You had to. Yeah. It was like yeah. there was there was you know when Boots came back that year and just smashed everybody, and he was clipped in. It's like fucked it. It's, even with clips on, it's gonna be hard to beat this dude. So yeah. uh, that's when it started to happen. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, maybe talk a little bit about the clips, and obviously you and Neil. Had a strong opinions yeah, about it and, and kept your cars. Yeah. Well, Neil, you know, I wasn't really against them. I, I didn't want to do it. Neil had a campaign, obviously against clips, and, and DK ran with it and painted the picture that DK was against clips or promoting no clips. Clips are for kooks, and it was totally <laughs> Neil's image, totally Neil. And I, I got kind of pulled into that too. I was open minded though. Uh, I didn't want to do it. I didn't think I needed to, but I knew that I was going to get passed by if I didn't do something. Um, I refused to wear the road bike shoe with my Fox racing pants, you know. So um, I ended, you know, you may not know, but I did dabble around with it. I tried it. You got some custom yeah, DC, DC, right? DC yeah. made some custom clip shoes that I even have still. Uh, I never really wore them, but. Um, that was when Dwayne was doing it, right? Th- this is the time that I even put them on, and I, re- I went to do gate practice in Orange, and nothing changed. I wasn't faster. It didn't matter. I, no matter what, I was not a traditional flat track double A. I could 
sneak into the main. Maybe I can win a race where everyone's tired, you know, on the East Coast. But uh, yeah, it wasn't going to happen, clips or no clips. So it was a really interesting time to go from X Games, winning three North Cups in a row, to being completely out of the sport three years, three years later. Wow. You know, so... What was your final year? 2007. 2007? Yeah. yeah. Did you know during that year that you were going to be done? Oh, we'll get to that. You downplay a little bit your, your traditional racing, but you did do good. You you won the Christmas Classic, which was another major, as you would say. You know, it was a it was a Reno, a first Christmas manager, Classic. Uh, you know, a, a South Park. It was on that level of uh, you know a Falls Nationals. So you you won Christmas Classic. What year was that? Oh man, so you're going back to like the or late the late nineties, the, the new building. Yeah, this is like a time where I could compete on a technical track. Christmas Classic had very technical tracks, um, and I, I would find comfort in those tracks and do well. And then South Parks were always good for me. I love that track, and there was a time where I was – Gary Ellis was on his, like, farewell tour in the late 90s, and here I am, you know, tied for points with Gary Ellis on a TV televised ESPN race. Super, super pressure. I had so much pressure in that race, but I was so, like – happy that like I'm in the game right um, but Gary prevailed <laughs> somehow I just faded to the back of that race you know Gary had the mindset and I didn't and, you still got second right uh, I think I got like second or third yeah a great race for me uh, to show that I can hang uh, and I'll always hang on to that that I ra- I got to actually race Gary Ellis and he knew I was in the race. <laughs> <laughs> Low points of Ellis. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Times where he won the third nine. Yes. That's where his oh, mentors, absolutely. you know. Absolutely. It was that's oh. why he could do that what a lot of people couldn't do. I chalked I chalked that up with a major accomplishment in sport to be in a main event with Gary Ellis where he was worried about you. That would be a good sticker or a yeah. hashtag. I was low points with Gary Ellis. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you guys can say that happened all day long, mm. but I can't. So, um, In Canada, I mean, you made a, you know, Worlds was always tough, but some years it was really tough. And Canada 97 was a real, it was basically a U.S. Worlds. It was kind of no, an MBO kind of gate and track and all the U.S. guys made it. All the Europeans were there, Australia. You made that world's main, and that was a legit uh, world's as well, you know. So tell us a little bit about – and Neil has made it as well. So Yeah, that was a – You both made it. We were doing clinics at the time constantly, doing gate starts every day, traveling around. We parked the uh, the truck and got on a plane to Canada. Next thing you know, we're racing. And I was just – it was like 97, right? 97, so yeah. I just turned yeah. pro. Yeah. I was, I was a new guy there. Um, I don't know how I made the main. I didn't win any laps. Um, but somehow, I just, it was a wide track, I remember, super Long wide, wide, super yeah. fast, so yeah. I just kind of got around it and just found my way into fourth, fourth or better, right? So that's all you need. I think I even got fourth in the semi. Um, okay. Made the main, that was it. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. And then the main event, I, legit main. I hit the gate. If, you know, of course, you want to get a good gate, right? So who's, who's in it with you? That was the Romero purse where purse passed Romero down the last straight, oh, yeah, and then Levesque's yeah. in third or fourth. Allier's third and fourth. Hayden ended up getting third. Robbie's in the main. Mm-hmm. Neil's in the main. Yes. I think Steve Altman. I mean, it's yeah, super tough. Yeah, it was. I look. We just looked at the pictures of, the, of you guys in the stands yeah. watching us. A lot of guys. And yeah, it's unbelievable. But I, I probably didn't realize how big of a deal it was at the time. But for a split second, I was on the gate thinking, 
Holy crap! If I win, I'm world champion. Probably world champion. I got an well, eight and one, ch- uh, you know, one in eight chance of getting world champion. Uh, of course, it didn't happen, but you know, we moved on. I got six. Neil got eight. There was a the wild party we won't get into after the race, <laughs> and then we're back to the trailer. We're back in the truck again. <laughs> well, what's, what's funny in this day and age, you've got all these coaches who are like. We can't do anything. We've got to peak for this race. And the week before the race, we're not going to do anything. We've got to go into this race fresh. We've got to... And then, you know, you look back at your experience, and this is a time where you're doing... You're riding your bike all day long, probably too much. You're constantly riding. You're doing the clinics. You fly straight to the world. You and Neil both doing the same thing. Oh, he drove. We flew. Oh, right. (laughs) And you both... But the fact that you both make the final, you know, it makes it a bit... Because uh, I see all the things that I understand about athletics and peaking for certain events and when there's big things like the Olympics. But it's like not having that experience of riding your bike all the time and going to races. Like I just, I don't know. Maybe that's old school. I think we all rode too much. I mean, looking back at HB days, we all rode too much. It was fun as hell. So we would do gym, sprints, gates you, outside the house and go to Sheep and you, Orange. You would have had that perfect relationship with your bike at that point. Yeah, and, I, and you you know your your fitness and health is probably not because you're training or working out, but because you're doing that all the time every day. Like it's uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we were, we were riding every day, and we were living it too. We weren't at home sleeping in a bed. Me and Neil were sleeping in a bed in the same bed. <laughs> okay, okay. In in a trailer for a race car, you know. So. Uh, we spent three months together on a queen size mattress, sweating it out in truck stops and uh, at BMX tracks, anywhere we can plug the generator in <laughs> or the AC in to get power. And Neil can play his video games. And we just waited for the next place to go ride. And it was all BMX for three months. And that was right in the middle of all this, this world's thing. Let's. Hit on uh, Tropical Challenge, Puerto Rico. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, my, my dad's side of the family is from Puerto Rico. and You would have gone to the Olympics then. You would have, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that, that actually got thrown around, but it was after I've already winded it down. But um, Puerto Rico, the guys in Puerto Rico, you know, we, we connected through racing. And they learned that I had some heritage there. And they've latched onto it and came to me with a with the idea to have a race down there and I, I, I went down there a couple times prior to this big race and slowly but surely they they reignited their race program in Puerto Rico they had nothing it's just an island that gets hammered with weather all the time so the tracks are horrible and they said we want to do a national and what how are we going to do it how are we going to get the attention and the money and the, and the backing and we came up with a way to just help them uh i went down there a couple times and i and i came back and i got everyone on board hey we all need to go there and support this place and nbl gave them a national and i got i look at the pictures uh, we can go through them later but the people that went down there you know spent a lot of money to fly across the ocean to go to this race and i still thank them to this day to for supporting that race to make it happen what was the guy's name uh, Carlos, 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 yeah. Carlos Diaz. He loves you. So yeah, they're yeah. great people. I still, I still talk to them, but uh, I still, 
I'm not boosting myself here, but has anyone ever had a race with their name? No. No? And you was on the Stargate as well, yeah, right? Yeah. You had your name on the, on yeah. the banner. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just unbelievable the time yeah. period we were in. There's a picture somewhere. I'm sure you've got it. There's all the pros and everybody. Yeah. It's like yeah. it's an awesome picture. Yeah. So and you're I, right at the front. I've not, I, when I looked through the schedule on the ABL paper, it said Robbie Miranda, RM59 Tropical Challenge. I thought, wow, this is unbelievable. You know, we're going to a race with my name on it. Um, How many so, years did they do it? I only went once. A few years. Yeah. This is some of the pictures okay, here. Okay, yeah. That's some of the stuff I've seen. It looks oh. like 2005. So, um, and in this stage here, you can see that I'm wearing a Fox uniform. Uh, DK's already kind of stepped down a little bit as a main sponsor. So, things are going down slowly. Okay, yeah. that's a cool picture. But we're still yeah. out there, you know, so. Oh, that's so rad. You know, there's, uh, I, I, um, he commented on Instagram yesterday when I talked about the podcast. Um, you know, he's redoing the track. Do you know the guy's name? The guy's down in Puerto Rico that he's kind of our, a bit younger than us. He was a little kid then and yeah. he's redoing the track now. He still races. I talked yeah. to him in Florida um, last year when I saw him down there. But anyway, it's cool that he's still keeping it, uh, mm -hmm. keeping, uh, keep trying to keep the, the sport going down there. You yeah, know? they were good to us and, and um, hopefully they can get it sparked up again. Yeah, yeah. do a vet, vet tour, <laughs> yeah. get, get you back down there. Yeah. Uh, something else I wanted to, to hit on you, you know, obviously the... Um, the DK ads, the, the jump in the trailer and stuff. So maybe talk about some of those. Yeah. Ads, you yeah. Know? I mean, this is all, again, this is just the minds at DK. You know, I mean, we have freestyle guys, Colin Winkleman and Chris Doyle and uh, a bunch of crazy other guys on the team. And the ideas that come up, uh, this is all Colin's idea. And Colin is just a freak. So I won't run too long on this part, but you know, here we are, I'm in Ohio just by chance. And, Colin's going to jump the trailer. He designed a giant ramp. He figured out a way to um, have someone on a motorcycle pull him so he gets enough speed. Well, guess what? Here we are out in the field. I got my bike. I brought my helmet because you never know, right? So, And I'm going to pull Colin. I'm going to be that guy. But next thing you know, we're taking turns. And we're both doing it. I'm like, wow, this is, this is fun. You know, so we're having a lot of fun. We're, we jumped the trailer. Um, super sketchy, but we got photos out of it. And, um, you know, Steve used a photo of me for snap and used a photo of Colin for a ride, you know, so, uh, it worked out pretty cool. And that, that kind of springboard us into some other big jumps and yeah, with the, tell us about the rivalry <laughs> with Huntington beach was oh, it flush God. flash. So next thing you know, okay. we're, we're out in the desert in California jumping, uh, this big, Cause. you know, it's a, it's a competition. So you can jump as many, as most, the many, as most cars as possible. There's lots of footage from Colin from that day, right? Yeah. So Colin and I are jumping the same ramp. Brian Streeby, or Adam Streeby is there. Paul Fernandez is a local Black Flies uh, cruiser dude. Is he still around? He must be. <laughs> He's the building dude. Flush. Right? They He's call him Flush, right? Yeah. Flush Fernandez. Yeah. And I think Corey Nastasio showed up with a launch ramp. <laughs> so our ramp we had to bring it on a trailer from Ohio Corey brought his in the back of a pickup truck um, Adam Streeby brought he brought a ramp he made one there I guess so um, yeah that that was a a scary scary event um, you folded it, a wheel as a big picture on yeah there. I yeah. crashed your ramps I, were better than everybody else they were right? I, but but at, at a hundred at a hundred feet it's a target to hit the ramp. Yeah. So to land on your ramp became a target. And I went too slow 
one time and it came up short by oh. a few inches. I remember that was a... If I was a few inches shorter, I'd probably have been dead. It was like a sequence, right? Yes, that. yeah, absolutely would have been dead. Uh, and then the next run, I went too far and overcleared the jump, and then that what, was Was it. it like a prize or anything for the guy yeah, that did the most? Or yeah. It was a TV Off, show, right? Offspring was filming a video that called Huck It. <laughs> and they were going to pay the whoever jumped the furthest 15 grand, and we thought, oh, we got this in the bag. Right. We already practiced, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, really, really awful event. Neil, <laughs> Neil didn't want to do that, then, did no, he? No, no. Um, so I crashed twice on the two bikes that I brought. Adam Streeby uh, crashed. He... He should have died, you know, and he didn't. He's like a cat with nine lives. <laughs> and then Paul Fernandez was jumping. He, his ramps were like two cheese wedges. So no matter how fast he went, he only went eight feet off the ground. <laughs> he could go 100 feet with being eight feet off on the ground. On a cruiser, right? Yeah, He's on a cruiser. cruiser. <laughs> so, uh, just to get to the end of the story, it turned out that Colin and Paul Fernandez both jumped the same distance. But there was so much emotion going on at that place because people were crashing and almost getting, you know, seriously injured that people were like not watching anymore. <laughs> okay, seriously, how could this happen? How could they say Paul won? Paul Fernandez jumped twelve cars in a boat and you won, and then when the film gets developed, they realize that Colin jumped the same amount. How did that get overlooked? Right? Us and everybody else. I'll tell you how. And it's hard to realize that the emotion was so high that people did not want to watch anymore. It was so scary. Wow. Yeah. So did they hand anybody a check? Yeah, of course. They gave it to Paul Fernandez. Oh, it did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they gave it to Paul Fernandez, and you they know, should have shared it out at that. Point, it was pretty you know? shitty, but I think everyone just wanted to get out of there. He, he, yeah. was, he Paul Fernandez is the one who, after that. He the tries house. to jump up onto up the, the house. Yeah. yeah. This yeah. is back in the, you know, the crusty demons of dirt yeah. days. Everyone wanted to do something crazy. Did he go to shoot that guy who's ever seen them there? No, he just he was just a Huntington Beach guy, you know? That's so nuts. Um what I wanted to um Yeah, finish line jump while we're talking about jumping, Woodward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, the so the first X games I'm I think I'm racing in second, right behind Brandon Meadows. How's that? And and we're going down the last straight, and I'm just, I think I'm making the move, you know, like mm. take inside on the last corner. I'm jumping the jumps really low, staying low, and then I just clip my front tire and just straight over the bars. Like I could have, it was 10 feet from the finish line. Like that was it. Like if you're going to win the X Games, the first inaugural X Games for Dunno BMX. And you crash before the finish line. You go from first to last. It killed me, right? I was happy with my riding. Nothing I could do wrong. Nothing I could do to take it back. But uh, next year, mm. now you're winning. You're not going to case that jump again, right? So <laughs> I just pulled up. I'm getting over the, I'm getting over the jump. So, uh, yeah, I overcleared it by a mile. And uh, if that's what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah crash, I think yeah. it was like... But I do remember the Brandon Meadows one as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think... Uh, do you wish you'd have just waited a second now on that Meadows one? Just filed in? You know what? Woulda, coulda, shoulda. I tell you what, um, I know... I'm, I'm very humble. I get it. Racing's racing. I'm happy Brandon won. That first year, I remember after I crashed, Magoo came up to me and he said, Hey, <laughs> that was made for TV. ESPN oh, was so ESPN was so <laughs> excited that 
that was so dramatic that it might have helped them get another race. Right. Yeah. If it was a single file, like just boring race. Right. ESPN might say, hey, you know what? That was cool, but we're not going to do this again. Right. But, but now they had a story. Mm-hmm. Like, did, did you notice the next year when you went back, were you kind of taken aback by how, because having announced for them, I know what, how their process works. So when you arrived the second year, I mean, you probably knew beforehand because they'd probably already come and filmed you. Mm-hmm. But did you realize the second year that that crash, that was the major part of their the picture they were painting, the battle between you and Brandon and the fact that you yeah. had been maybe one of the favourites. And that, I mean, I remember that crash. When it was BMX racing on TV, they ran that crash in the promos all day long, all yeah. the time. Yeah, I mean, we, you don't want to, you have to acknowledge the fact that ESPN is putting on this event for us, this downhill BMX. They don't have to do it again. They could do it one year and be done with it. Um, they gave us a chance. They gave Magoo a chance to put on an event, and he gave them that crash. And unfortunately for me, gave them a spectacular show, mm-hmm. and that gave them a second year to spin off of it. So now I come back and win, and now it's you know maybe we got another year out of it. Um, who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, well, they've, they've, they know, they're not looking at it going like, oh, what are we going to do for BMX this year? They're going to be like, dude, the, fir- the first year you've got Brandon and yeah. Robbie battling and Robbie goes down in flames at the end. Then you've got Robbie's redemption. He comes back. The story's already written. It's Brandon yeah. Meadows yeah. versus Robin Moran. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And they love that. They love they, that. Yeah. So, Kyle in the mix on the second one. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So everyone, you know, it was a great time for us. And um, we, all of us did really, you know, had got a lot of exposure off of it and had fun with it, uh, for sure. But yeah, I pulled up on that finish line jump and I think it, it hurt. <laughs> doesn't matter if you crash after the line, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Exactly. What, was what, was, your... what which was the year with the scrapes on the helmet? Because I've got, I've got a random that... recollection talking to you after the race and looking at your helmet and they're just being Huge gouges. I, I don't know. I, I have plenty of crashes at those events. Um, what do you think was your, uh, what's, you know, your your most memorable moment then? One of winning the Nord Cup or the X Games or Puerto Rico. You, you got a lot of great things, you know. I think those those X Games years were obviously the pinnacle. Yeah. I mean, you're in, in racing the X Games in August. You're, you win. And then you go on to Interbike and you get a Nord Cup. And then... Did you actually drink during those Nora Cups? I don't know. No. I wasn't much of a drinker. No, I mean, them, those Nora Cups were always wild, yeah. though, weren't they? Yeah, mm. super wild. Yeah, those, yeah, those were... They got crazy. When it, when, it, when it got some momentum and they brought it back, it, it, they did. They got crazy. Yeah, those are definitely great times to be, to be, in, to be uh, on the top step. Yeah. Course, so, um, What was your, um, would you say, your favorite coverage you got? Maybe magazine cover or any particular ad or center page or i think for a while um steve bundeck was doing a really good ad campaign with us neil and i and it seemed like we had the inside cover mm-hmm. of snap you know every month really and it was it was either neil or i or maybe chris doyle or someone else on the team but we always had something that was really unique 
something different. It just the tin, wasn't. Neil had the tin can or yeah, tin, tin just, can, exactly. uh, Coke can uh, frame. It wasn't aluminum. It, it wasn't just hey, you know, we got a picture of you racing and we threw it in the magazine. It was something like hey, let's do something. What do you want to do? What do you want your ad to be? Do you want to do a lifestyle ad? Do you want to do a racing, a fun one? And Neil and I came up with some really comical stuff. You know, so I mean, if you can think back of those ads, they were they're really really fun, and I think kids remember those a lot more than just a guy jumping a set of doubles. Free, <laughs> agent, free agent Bradshaw. <laughs> I, was gonna, I, I wasn't going to diss you. I was going to say more than more than Kiyomi did. Uh, that's the, actually the I can't even do that. Kiyomi's even got me there. Yeah, I think I did some sunglasses, berm shots. Yeah, I mean uh, that that snap magazine that we looked at earlier. I mean you, uh, that's obviously the Nora Cup winning issue, but it's like cover. Boom, inside cover. The first, like you're on the cover and then you open the page and you're on the inside cover on a double page spread ad. I mean, if that was the, like I said earlier, if that was the only BMX magazine in that you ever had and you could ever see from that period, you would think that you were just the total dominator of everything who maybe battled against Christoph sometimes. Yeah, this is, a, this is me at like 23 years old. And this is the same year the Triple Crown came around, so... You know, you get the cover, you get the inside cover. That co- I mean, that cover shot is perfect. Photographically, yeah. it's perfect. And then you go on to race downhill races all summer. I mean, things are... The DC ad as well, that was good, wasn't it? Because you had yeah. all the skateboarders and everybody yeah. was on it, right? Yeah, DC. I mean, we didn't even get to talk about that. But these, when DC came in... You got rings, right? DC sponsored us and took took us on... Brought us, to, brought us into their world. Like, DC does it. Did you guys Does actually it? go down to the guy's house, right? Yeah. yeah. Party, we, like, big party or something, wasn't it? We went to Ken Block's house. Yeah. Rob Deerdeck was there. Big Black was there. <laughs> Everyone. This is before he made it. Right. Before he showed up on TV. <laughs> yeah. And these guys were riding around in Mercedes and stuff. And, and next thing you know, there's a diamond ring in the mailbox. And, and they're sending us. They, when Little fact you guys may not know is DC sold to Quicksilver while we were sponsored by him. How much for I don't know how much oh. for, but everybody got a significant check over ten thousand dollars for no, for no reason. Wow! For no reason, just right. because you're an employee, you're part of the part of the network of you know sponsored people in there. They didn't have to send us. Who was the, the BMX guy in that? The team manager or whatever? Like, oh, at the time that? it was Brian Botts. Um, even Dwayne Dwayne, Dwayne, yeah, Dwayne yeah, yeah, got yeah, in Dwayne. there for a little yeah. while. Yeah, um, it was unbelievable level they took us to. I mean. Just they did things at a high, higher, high level, you know. Yeah, sponsorship, a real money level. As yeah, well. I remember that ad. Like everyone just lined up in the casual clothing, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. I'll just try and pull it out. So for... definitely, definitely happy to been on that ride for a little while. What about uh, life after BMX? Then tell us about what you're doing now and still riding for fun. You're in the police well, force. Well, I don't know how everyone else does it, but when I was racing and I realized that, you know, it was kind of devastating. After X Games went away, downhill went away, now you're racing and you're doing what you can to survive. You're going to Puerto Rico and you're putting on races, right? You're good doing clinics. I did a clinic tour and I knew it would probably be my last one. And I sold it to the sponsors like, hey, if you sponsors all give me like a thousand bucks each, I can pay for this tour. I can fund us to drive to 10 places, right? Gas and hotel, whatever, whatever we need. And, um, and then I'll go to the tracks. I'll charge everyone 20 bucks. I'll give them a clinic. I'll give them whatever they want, right? I'll give them a show, a dirt, dirt jump demo. 
They'll get a t-shirt, pizza, whatever. And then I'm going to give all the money back to the track. That's cool. Because we've been going to these tracks for years. And they've been coming out on a Wednesday night or Monday night. Mm -hmm. And I know they're working class people that don't have time to go set the gate up. Mm -hmm. You know, so let's give back. And I don't think, at the time, I don't never heard of this before. We went to the track. We took all the money that we got from entries for the clinic, gave them a clinic, and then we gave them a check, a big check. So Dwayne, I think someone made uh, the big checks and we gave it to him. But that was a really fun way of me saying like, hey, thank you mm. for this ride. Did it feel like a farewell tour? It did. It did. And I think my farewell tour was on the clinic scene rather than the race scene. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, See, everybody else leaves pretty bitter and pissed off and ah, fuck BMX. But you yeah. actually like <laughs> did yeah, the I, right thing, you know? I didn't, yeah. I didn't feel like that was – I definitely knew I wasn't going to be on a clinic tour again. So it was cool to give back, give yeah. these tracks something. It wasn't much, but – um, and then I, I, I always have been very... Had you always thought of being a law enforcement officer? We'll get to that. No, of course not. <laughs> but, but I always, I always um, watched and observed other riders and what they were doing and where they went to after BMX. Mm -hmm. hey, Gary Ellis had a farewell tour. Where is he now? And this was like a couple years after. Like, what is he doing? Is he sitting home counting his money? Looking at his trophies? <laughs> no, Gary Ellis is driving a FedEx truck. Oh, shoot. Like, what am I going to do? What do I want to do? Do I want to go work at DK? Well, I've already got a house in California and, a, and a, a steady girlfriend. I can't do that. I can't leave all that. Um, do I want to be a team manager for something? Well, everyone's already got those jobs, you know, and, and they're bouncing around. So I don't want to be on a... a a job, you know, where I have to bounce around to, you know, from one company to the next. It's not secure. I got a house payment that's not changing. It's still every month. So I just kind of looked and saw what other people were doing. And one person that you probably never thought I would look at their career is Stu Thompson. Here's a guy that I never really, I obviously didn't race him. I didn't know him, but I knew he was working for the Orange County Sheriff, which is the local sheriff department in Southern California, Orange County. So I reached out to him one day and I, he said, hey, yeah, I'll talk to you. Meet me at Starbucks at midnight. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I wait up till midnight. I go out there and there's Stu Thompson, you know, this superstar from the 80s. He's wearing a police uniform. He's got a gun in his police car. I'm like, this, this is crazy, you know? Like, dude, you were the guy. Like, you were the... Top guy, right? The first. The top guy. The first huge celebrity in our sport. Yeah. And now you are grinding it out at midnight in a police car. So I said, hey, you know, tell me about the job. Um, he told me about it. I think I, I thought I could qualify for it. The pay was good, obviously. The career is good. And I said, you know what, Stu? If it's good for you, it's good for me. Like, I will trust you. On this this adventure, this 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 uh, you know, it's really a gamble to leave BMX racing and jump into that. Nice guy, <laughs> nice guy to have that trust. I yeah. Think. So uh, I didn't tell anybody about this back in uh, 2007, and quite honestly, I I slowly was in the process of becoming a law enforcement officer. Did, you did while what? I was racing. Didn't you do 
didn't you go straight into, were you a prison corrections officer first? Well, it took, it took a solid two years before we actually start working, but I was in the background process, the hiring process, all while I was at the Puerto Rico event. <laughs> all these things. Now, if you know anything about this type of industry or this job, you don't get the job until you get the job. Like, there's a lot of hoops you got to jump through for, for a couple of years. And then you go to an academy, which is six months long, and it's like the military. And still, if you don't make it out of the academy, you don't get the job. So I was still, you may not know, but the last race that I did, the last gate start I did for for a paycheck was Stumpy's race. Oh, was it? Okay. It was in June 2007. The following day, Monday morning, I started the police academy. <laughs> okay. I still didn't tell anybody. <laughs> I still, I did, when I started the police academy, I called... I called uh, Dwayne at DC. I said, hey, I know you're paying me through the end of the year. I want to tell you what's going on. You don't have to pay me today after today, you know, because obviously I'm doing something else. And he's like, mm-hmm. you know what? No, we're going to pay you. We're going to finish your contract. And I said, dude, you can't. that is like the best mm-hmm. way to finish off with a company. Instead of being like, hey, yeah, you're done. We'll fire you midway through your country. They said, no, we're going to support you. You know, give us some photos. Give us a couple things, and uh, so that was a really cool thing to do yeah, to, to be to be supported while I was transitioning out. And DK was the same. They, uh, you know, they stopped paying me, but they've always backed me. So yeah. So long story short, I've been doing law enforcement for the last twelve years, almost thirteen. I've done everything. You know, been doing well, and still doing three sixties at shit. Yeah. So. I haven't stopped riding. Um, I got into road bikes for a little while and did that. Really good as well. Yeah, well. Did you race them or was it just, just uh, were you actually going to race them? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, really I, got into, I got into road biking and, and, and ended up going from a Cat 5 to a Cat 1 in a couple of years. And then after I got Cat 1, I realized like, oh, all right, I'm done with this. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of over it now. So um, I'm just trying to ride for fun. I go to Sheep Hills with my kids. You still ride good? Yeah, yeah. So, I, obviously, I push myself sometimes a little too hard and I get injured. Like the mega rep? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, real quick, the police uh, video you did with Barry, that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. You got like a million hits or something, that didn't That was it? awesome. Yeah. And, and the Steve Thompson one is also awesome. Right. They're, they're, both, they're both cool. Yeah. So, I've tried to, I really keep my, my career private. I don't really want it to cross over into to be a public thing. Obviously I will touch on it in, in the podcast, but as far as that, I keep it pretty private and you don't see me mix the two very often. You so. made, you made me jump when you were working undercover and you, <laughs> I saw you outside the liquor store. That, that made me jump. I know that. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. Well, all the, you know, touch on it because we was all over here a couple of weeks ago and all the Zeltors, Marcos guys mm. were over here. They, Thoroughly enjoyed that day. I mean, I did as well. It was cool. We all get up, you know, went to the beach and we went to the track in the morning. We came down here it and d- barbecue. It doesn't, it doesn't yeah. hurt. I'm, I'm harping back to it, but it doesn't hurt that the house is so nice. Yeah. It but I've let all those English guys yeah, in the course. pool. And the and it's all open plan at the back and the yeah. is such an awesome setup. Some yeah. guys had a good time as well, you know, being over here and hanging out. Um, let's wrap it up. Um, oh, so hang on. So uh, just, just quickly before we finish, like the mega ramp thing. Like, when you came home from there after being hurt, is there, a, is there a thing there where it's like, 
okay, that might be the last time that I really just gun it with no care or consideration for what what's going to happen. Like, do you think that that was a all right, man? As as fun as that was, and as nice as it was to do that, even though it went bad, like, did was there a cut off moment there where you're like, man, I cannot, I cannot be getting busted up that bad? Yeah, I, I'll fill you in if people don't know what we're talking about. Last year at the old school reunion at Woodward, I took my kids up there. We were riding around, and next thing you know, we're jumping the mega ramp. <laughs> Just right. I mean, I mean, would you expect anything else? So, and everyone's there. Everyone's on top of the ramp. Troy McMurray's up there. Ron Wilkerson. It's like, dude, this is it, man. This is, I don't get to ride the mega ramps anywhere else. So I started jumping it, having a good time. Everyone's watching, and I really did revert. I went from 41 years old to 21 years old. <laughs> and were you there, Paul? No. Okay, so, so I was riding the ramp. I felt good. I felt like I felt like I was 21, mm-hmm. and I forgot that I had to go to work the next day. I forgot that I had two two young kids and a wife watching. <laughs> um, all I did see was all these heroes of mine on the ramp cheering for you. So I said, you know what? I don't know what happened. I didn't really think about it much, but I tried a 360, the mega ramp. Well, I'm 41 years old, mid career <laughs> into something totally different. Right. So I over rotated, slammed on my side, ended up breaking my pelvis. Did oh. you take your foot off? You take your foot off. So if it had been a normal size jump, you would have maybe just, over rotate a bit and slap your foot down, but you take your foot off to slow the rotation down. But it's so big that you even go past that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bad, mm-hmm. and uh, I crashed. I knocked the wind out of myself. So when I got my my breathing under control, I tried to get up, and I realized, okay, this is gonna suck when I have to miss work. Like, how am I? What? What is this? What's going on here? So, was that the first thought? Like well, I, th- I knew like, wow, something's wrong. I can't just get up and go hit the ramp again. So I hobbled off the ramp. I was able to drive halfway home thinking, well, I'm doing it. I'm sore, but I'm doing what I need to do. And uh, that night I couldn't sleep. Next morning I uh, I went to the hospital and they immediately sent me to a critical care hospital, like a, you know, you know, it was it was something the normal operating uh, sorry the normal emergency room didn't didn't feel comfortable with. They said you are you have broken ribs and they're pushing on your lungs. If you move the wrong way, you're going to have a punctured lung. We can't have you here, and your and your pelvis is broken. I'm like, oh my gosh! Like it just hit me so hard that I fainted while I was sitting there, and uh, that's when I knew like, wow, you know what, my job is not going to care about this. They're, they're not going to say, oh, it's okay. We'll keep paying you. You know, they're going to say, well, can you work or not? You know, because we're not going to... Because in my, my profession, if you can't physically do the job, you don't have a career. No. So am I going to walk again? Am I going to... Is it going to take me six months to walk again? How long am I going to be out? Because you're just a number. You know, they're going to pass you by. So... Um, I healed quick. I masked my inj- injury the best I could. <laughs> I, I had to tough through it. Honestly, I, I was... So did you even tell them it was? Uh, I told them I had a crash and I was sore. 
but I missed four days of work, which worked out to about 10 days off uh, with the weekend and whatnot. And I slowly hobbled my way through work and progressively got better. So yeah, I mean, it sucks, but that, that was a wake up call. Like you're, you're asking about, that was a serious wake up call because this, this family operation I have going on here, this family life and this house mm. and these upgrades and these parties and birthday parties for my kids and roller skating and gymnastics and <laughs> MMA I take my kids on, it all comes from me going to work. Yep. So if I can't go to work, then these things aren't going to happen for my kids. So yeah, big wake up call there. And, you know, we all, Dale, I'm sure you do too. You, you realize you can't go out and do what you used to do because you got a kid. Well, I can actually still two, 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 and do berm shots. <laughs> <laughs> the stuff you did, but it wasn't that dangerous anyway. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it kind of put a tear in my eye knowing like, hey, <clears throat> hey, you're not doing any of this stuff anymore. That's all right. I mean, go down in flames in front of those people. The fact that Hoffman was on the ramp, Wilson was on the ramp, and then dudes. So. Yeah. It sucks to crash in front of your heroes, but... It would I, suck more to not ride in front of your heroes. Yeah. Uh, it's bitter. It's it, one of those things. You had to go for it, and I think that was the... That was it. Yeah. I think that was it. But I still... After a year, I went down the sheep when the UK, when the UK guys were out, and, uh, you know, had that flashback to 21 again and did a 360. Yeah, and they loved it. I think they guys, liked yeah. it. So yeah, I yeah. liked it, of course, yeah. and my wife didn't like it. Did but she have words when you came home? That's what's that? that? Did she have words when you came no, home? No, like she that? she knows. She feels it's okay. Because that's the other thing. The other thing that's good is like she, you know, you and her have been together through everything. Yeah, I met my wife the same year that I crashed the first X Games, so she's been on this emotional roller coaster, um, and that was when I met her. Uh, that is when things were really good for me, and then she she was there through the transition of of being not a BMX racer anymore. Mm -hmm. So she's, she's followed me around the sport and stayed with me. So having somebody to help you through that, because you know, it's a, it's a common thread, especially talking to people who had that period of time when they rode for so long, that transition back into regular normalcy isn't easy. You yeah. just come from living all of those dreams and having the best life. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well you're back with everybody else now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's, when I think about when I see riders today or pros, I was there. Like I was in that mindset too, where this is awesome and we are going to do this forever. But hey, guys, you know you need to. I'm not saying save all your money, but maybe think about what avenue you're going to take when things start slowing down. And I see guys still in the sport, like even yourself, Dale. You're doing it still. I don't know how you do it, but um, I wish I could be in the sport still doing something like you, but. I don't know how I can be ever so hard well, to I earn could, the money that you earn yeah. within the sport unless yeah. it was your even if it was your company it would still be hard to draw that salary yeah, yeah Just, stick with what you're doing if I can, better if, place I if I can say yeah. anything to the guys yeah. today is like think look at the guys you look you looked up to 10 years ago or 5 years ago and see where they're at now what mistakes have they made what have they done to help themselves you know transition out it's okay it's okay to transition out just have a plan Dude, you've just, do something you love, and you don't know? do the mega ramp when you're 41. No, I don't. I, do don't I don't mind, mate. You've given me, you've given me the perfect mental image of sitting in a diner with Stu Thompson at midnight, talking about yeah. what it's like <laughs> to be a cop. That's I yeah. Just, 
Yeah. So and now we, Stu's retired as well. Yeah, yeah Stu, cool. Stu yeah, retired. Um, I see and him I, on Facebook. I have taken on the legacy of the bike guy at the right. department. Because every time I mention bikes, they go, oh, you know Stu Thompson? <laughs> well, hang on, man. Let's, let's look at this way. Orange, Orange County Sheriff's Department is doing pretty well, man. Like, if, if Stu Thompson is going to retire and they need a new bike guy to brag about, like the Nora Cup winning dude who also won the X Games, that's, that's, a right. pretty, that's not a bad replacement. Yeah. yeah. And, something, and something, Paul, you don't know and I don't publicize is I teach the bicycle patrol to all agencies in Southern California. That's cool, so, yeah. So, I mean, I still pedal the bike and somehow still doing do something. I'm doing a clip. Yeah. <laughs> do them guys get a video as well? I didn't. Yeah, so I'm riding, I'm riding, and, and you may never see it, but you might one day. We take these guys from on a big bike ride you know all these police officers and we go to Huntington Beach we go down to Ruby's at the pier I've seen Stu yeah. post over the yeah. years so yeah. so see and I think that's unfair because I live there and you're the only people who are actually well, you always stay away from the bikes yeah. on the pier everyone else gets the deal oh, over yeah. the announcement yeah. system saying no riding bikes on the pier no so no. hang on before like I've noticed with Dale's podcast because there's time restraints and we all get chatting and blah 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 it always gets cut off at the end so like, and you don't give people their chance. But before maybe answering one last question, like, are there people you want to say thank you to who who made the path easier or even even enables you to travel it? Yeah, everyone. That's uh, this whole journey, you know, has been just amazing. And I look back at it, and it was so it felt so long and like uh, great, but it was so short when you really step back and look at it. It was so short and, and everything had to work out perfect. And I can't, I mean, we already talked about Steve, Steve Bundeck and Corey Muth uh, were two guys. They're always there for me. All the guys at DK, Bill Danishek, you know, took me on early and uh, kept me the whole time. So all the guys at DK were great. Everyone, at, everyone along the, along the way at DC and Fox, and Neil and all you guys in California that uh, welcomed me when I got here, even though Dale, Yelled at me one day. What was that? You yelled at me one day. I think you had a rotten banana or something. So, <laughs> but yeah, everyone in this. I love an Everyone, I would say, man, it's it's everyone in this sport that's just down to the kids at the clinics. Like just everyone. That's why I, I didn't mind having thirty guys from England come to my house and get in my pool. It's like these guys, you know, extended their hand when I came to visit in the late nineties. You know, so it, it's hot. we didn't touch yeah. on that. You came to England a bunch of times, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, so, bike show. Yeah, so I mean, we got so much yeah, yeah, yeah. other stuff, but we'll do more because yeah. I think it's not just for obviously our era. You know, love the '90s stuff. So those guys listening now, will, well, I'm pretty sure are going to enjoy this. I've enjoyed doing this with you and Paul, but I also think for the younger guys listening to this, especially um, some of the some of the younger pros have listened to this. Like, I've Again, I knew all this stuff, didn't pay attention at the time, paid attention since and paying attention again today, how professional Robbie really was, you know, and how he covered everything. And, and it's a great, it's a great education. He was ahead of the game. We all had website. I didn't want a website. And then when I, Robbie told us to get a website and we all got websites and then, you know, I got it. So I think it's very educational. You're very ahead of the game in everything. And for you young kids, uh, any young, you know, riders that want to be pros, Deser- listening just, to this just, just, just yeah. deservedly so as well because it's yeah. having that having that dream if you're not born and raised here having that dream wherever it be whether it be from the east coast or whether it be from Australia or whether it be from England having yeah. that thing of like 
all right, I, I, I see everything coming out of California. It'd be a dream to go there, and then maybe you go and visit or you go for a race, then you go and stay with someone for a while. And it's like that thing of like, dude, I could live here. I could end up living in Southern California yeah. and riding my bike all the time. Like that just... Just like, always like ahead say, of the then, game, then yeah. 30 English kids who came here, that will be their first... Even if they're older, that will be their first thing of like, oh my God, it's like that. Because some of it's the same, but some of it's different. But it's really, when you get here and it's like Southern California and I can buy my bike all the time, like, is that for real? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. We'll do more because I think you've still got a lot more we can talk about and touch on and we'll we'll hit on. We've got to go just go through other stuff because you've got so much cool shit here. Videos, magazines, stuff I haven't seen. I want to. Uh, come back myself like like Wildman's house and Keith Mulligan's oh, house yeah. I just want to go to all these people's I houses on my own deal. and just go through all this stuff <laughs> so alright cool thanks Robbie we'll talk again thanks Paul catch everybody next time cheers